episode. You're listening to the Scarves Up podcast. I'm your host, Nathaniel Maymoudis. Episode 149, sixth year doing the podcast, wrapping up the 2021 MOS season. Another another great season for the Sounders, unfortunately. No, no silverware this year, but we're going to discuss all of it and everything that's happened since our last episode, which covered Decision Day. Going to go over the playoffs and the national team drama and then other stuff that we find interesting That's a, that relates to soccer. So to do that, i got to bring in Dave Mavudis. How are you doing back in the studio? Doing well. Glad to be back with you here in person and with uh, the good microphones. Um, love the quality to be back where it usually should be. So let's let's get right into it. Um, before we recap the season as a whole, we're going to start with the Sounders' last game, uh, which was against RSL, first round of the playoffs at home. At Lumen Field, I will say, going into this game, um, I was way more nervous. Usually when it gets in the playoffs, like the entire games, I am nervous the entire game. Because I'm just hoping so strongly that I get a result that I'm happy with. The result that I'm wanting. Um, and, uh, and at other playoff games, like while... I've always been like nervous because yeah, it's win or go home, and it's ninety minutes. Um, there's no second neg or anything. This game especially, like I felt like okay, we haven't been playing very well recently, and I think it just shows how much momentum going into the playoffs helps in the MLS in the MLS playoffs, and and because of that, the best team in the season rarely wins the cup so uh, how are you feeling going into this game against Arzell right I mean obviously we'd been shaky we hadn't had our first team playing together you know as good as it was to get Morris back um obviously you know not a lot of experience of everybody being on the field at the same time um other players having seen limited minutes you know it wasn't clear what we were going to get out of Ladero um but you know going into the game at home uh you know you felt the sounders knew they had to come out for it and deliver so let's talk about the lineup that the sounders put out so fry of course between the posts then ariaga yamar and o'neill smith Chao paulo christian rodon kellen Rowe on the right continues to play in every game Jordan Morris gets his first start of the year after playing a half in Vancouver. And uh, then we also had uh, Freddie Montero um, on on the field. And I'm just now... uh, And we're we're missing one player. I'm just now realizing in the MOS thing, they do not have the other person listed. Like, it's literally just a a blank... um, 
the blank thing. So who 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 am I missing? Did you say Montero? Did I say Alex Rodon? I, I well Montero was the only forward that that was up there. Um. Oh, Benize. Benize was the other right. and was who, the other starter. Who was unavailable? So Bruin and Nuhu were both out. So yeah, and Madronda as well. So yeah, Bruin and Madronda on the bench. Um, oh, they were on the bench. No, yeah, sorry, no, they were both out. I'm just looking at the bench right now. So on the bench we had Suzoko, Chu, Roy Diaz, Leva, Whiting, Rodon, Ladero, and Atencio. Um, in the game we would see Atencio. Atencio came in at the start of extra time. Ladero came in um, a little bit before then. Alex Rodon. I was very surprised that Alex Rodon didn't start this game. I mean, he did play play um, in the international break right before this, but I was surprised he didn't start. He would come on later. Roy Diaz came on at halftime for Montero, and then Suzoko would come on for the shootout. So anyway, so it's definitely not a full strength team for the Sounders. Um but but how did you think we looked during this game? I mean, we look at the stats. It was a it, yes, it finished 0-0 and it went to penalties, but like I think it was an entertaining game. Um it was, you know, 4-0-0 game, obviously lots of attacking, most of it, almost all of it from the Sounders. Um, and yeah, you know, maybe a bit too much of our attention as fans went into, uh, complaining about Ochoa and, you know, the crowd was engaged with him maybe more than it should have been. So when we look at the stats for this game, um, yeah. And I mean, like the Sounders clearly dominated. RSL came into the game looking to to go to penalties. Like, from the beginning, it was all about time-wasting. Um, the the Sounders had 21 shots. They had zero. We only had three on target, however. Um, and what I'm thinking about on, on target... I mean, we hit the post a lot uh, um, in this game. We had so many chances that were close. The percentage of this game was uh, 62 to 37. I would have said the Sounders had even more percentage than that. Um, but obviously, so we have 21 shots. They have zero. Um, they barely had any chances. We had 15 corners. They had one corner. We had 39 crosses. Yes, I read that right. 39 crosses. They had seven. Um, we had three offsides. They had zero. We beat them in duels one, ninety-five to seventy-six. They did beat us in tackles one, um, even though we won duels one. Uh, but everything about this game just like reminds reminds me of the twenty sixteen MLS Cup final, where and this was exactly what happened to Toronto. What we did to Toronto, we did not have a single shot in that game, and the way we're feeling, I mean, yes. I, I immediately after the game, I was like, "Okay, this is how Toronto feels." Like that was devastating. It, I mean, for them to do that in Seattle was just so heartbreaking. And do you have any thoughts about about like this game compared to that game in in Toronto in twenty sixteen? Uh, it's more fun to be on the other side of it. Do you think 
do you think it is like really just the same literally the same thing or do you think or do you think in like in either sense like because i mean like I guess obviously I'm... we're by we're biased sounders fans but like i would say um i mean i can't think of it i mean we really just didn't have a chance in the in the toronto game we didn't have a goal scoring opportunity in that in the first MLS cup right i mean I'd, I'd, I'd like to say we came out with a more positive attitude than what uh rsl displayed here and that we was weren't the quite only, so cynical about that it. was the only thing that i was that i would say i mean like i think if you're a toronto um if you're a toronto fan after that game you're gonna be like oh fry just played his ass off like he just played amazingly but i don't think but i mean it was a long time ago at this point but i don't think the sounders like were ever trying to play for a shootout especially for a team that doesn't do well that doesn't do very well in shootouts like our shootout history is not good we've won we have not won many of them i think we've won two uh, i think we won two shootouts in the open cup and then obviously we won this one but yeah i would not say we're playing for a shootout they were playing for a shootout fry was never time wasting in that game so i think it is a little differently Let's talk about the refereeing in general. I mean, like, it took a really a long time before Joe Dickerson, who we've seen a lot of this year. Like, he's done a lot of Sounders games, um, and I think he's, like, pretty average. I thought he waited too long to give the first yellow card. I think the first yellow card was in the second half, which was strange. Or, actually, that's not true. He gave a yellow card to to um, to uh, Rubio Rubin pretty early on like setting like the fact that i'm not gonna uh, he might have just caught a foul but still like like i thought there should have been more cards than there were but in, in I, yeah i mean we've talked think? about you know the question of how to handle a choa which i think is a difficult one for the ref in that situation um i can't remember feeling like there was a whole lot of physical play that was going unpunished you know it wasn't one of these games where there were some ideas and tackles and, as it as the game went on. Sure, you know, and, like, and right. But I mean, and but they it, flopped a lot. But it wasn't one of these games where they really were just, you know, hacking uh, Ladero and, and, and Rodriguez no off the really ball. Wants, no one really wants to see. No one wants to see, like, five yellow cards given out right. for I descent mean, you know, or for, card, no one, for, for a diving. The only. The only thing worse than seeing the the game decided by a you know by by yellow or red cards is you know seeing it decided on penalty kicks. So yeah, um, that's I mean that's the other thing that makes this loss hurt less is that anytime a game goes to penalties, like it's like like I mean penalties are just the worst. Penalties are only interesting if your team is not participating. Well, in even then, I mean it's like watching a coin flip. It's kind of it's you a, know it's, well, it's kind yeah. of dramatic, but you know. So I guess that's one good thing. You know, you I mean, don't kind of are, feel... I mean, there are ways. It feels like there are ways that you could put more skill into it. Like, I mean, I would like to see what it... I feel like just because of how much soccer has changed over the years, like if they did bring back the old MLS penalty shootout where you where you start like 40 yards away and the goalkeeper can like run out... Um, I feel like it would be different just because the game has evolved. Like, people would do stuff differently than they did then. So what do you think if they went to, uh, you know, golden goal, play overtime until somebody scores? I mean, there were some... I mean, I in um, 
usually in like high school soccer, it's still going and going now. It's like five minutes extra time, two five minutes extra time periods with the golden goal, and then they go to shootout. Um, a lot of times, it still ends up right. I mean, I, I, I don't think I, minutes, I don't think I like the golden goal in the extra time we have now. Yeah, but, I don't like that. But the question of and I guess you could do that. Just say, you know, we're going to keep doing 15-minute extra time periods until it's over. I guess, I mean, yeah, that's a thing. Maybe, like, the first 30 minutes is is just, like, they were playing into into their entirety. And then we have another 30 minutes of golden goal. Yeah, see, I don't think you can do that because if you... If just because people are too tired? I mean, like, people well, no, weren't pulling up. But the, the point is, if, you, if they know that if they can last 30 minutes without... You know, then it'll go to penalty kicks. Then a lot of teams will have the strategy of just make sure the other team doesn't score for that 30 minutes and it'll be depressing to watch. Whereas if they know, you know, nobody's going home until somebody scores, you know, then at least people know they have to come forward and get the ball in the other team's half. Yeah. And honestly, I think that my, yeah, I, I can see the flaw with what I just proposed. And honestly, like, yeah, like I, I feel like the reason that they, they don't, just do like we're we're here for a winner, um. It's because it's the thought they don't want the game to go on forever. But the games just won't. That's never gonna happen. Like, the games are never gonna happen. Like, obviously we think about like the Super Bowl. Technically, if a game just kept being tied, um, they would keep going on. They would need they need a winner. Um. And and honestly, like, um, it's, it's just gonna keep going. Something's gonna someone's gonna give in sometime so let's go back to the like the calls for a choa so usually when you see a keeper get a uh yellow card for time wasting it's like i feel like it's different it's a different situation that was going here because him holding the ball because it was more that he was holding the ball for longer than six seconds i mean that's never called um it Unlike it, it was less on the goal kicks. It was more noticeable when he was holding it. You got the crowd counting, and it got to a point where every time he touched the ball, he was getting booed. Um, love to see when those situations occur. But I mean, what's the point of having the six-second rule if no one's ever going to call it? When it gets called, I think players are annoyed. P- players get annoyed because they're like. Because they're like, um, it's like a gimme. If it's in the box, it's an indirect free kick from like, it can be very close. But like players are always organ- are always arguing, even though it's literally just in the rule if you do it for six seconds. So why doesn't this get called? Yeah. Um... Like, it, like, should they just, should IFAB and FIFA just remove it from the game if they're just never going to call it, because I no, you I, have to have some rule because you have to. But but I guess then why isn't getting called? Right. It is a like, like this is the situation that it should be called. the The rule is in place, I think, for the fans mostly because it, it's boring to see them holding. We want to see people play soccer, and maybe it's not just for the fans. Maybe it's just another rule. But like it's uh, it's. This rule should not have anything to do with judgment. Should not 
be connected to time wasting. I mean, yeah, but I mean, you you don't want to go all the way the other way and have you know VAR say you know did it take him seven seconds to get out of the you know get the ball out? Well, VAR shouldn't say it because it's not a penalty kick. That's why that's why VAR isn't. You know, but if somebody's going to get a mandatory yellow card for it and get kicked out of the game, then you know, then it would start being a big deal. But like, but like, if they're holding the ball for that amount of time, then that's what should happen. I I feel like it's we're not going to run into situations where like players are like, I tried to give it away, give it away for six seconds because I feel like once you like, if you if a goalkeeper catches the ball. And they're actually on the ground, unlike some plays where they just like fall down, which is just the stupidest. Thing. If they're actually on the ground, when they actually stand up, that's when the time starts. Like, like when play, right. but, like I mean, players again, should not be should not be like standing like forwards should not be encouraged to stand around the goalkeeper, so it is impossible for them to get up and then be like, oh look. Six seconds went right. by. But I think in reality... It's also weird. It's just six you know, seconds. That's we're we're talking about, time. you know, ten times that Ochoa held the ball for, you know, even if he did, he did get another five or ten seconds out of it, it's a minute all told. I think, if anything, the bigger problem was the distraction for, you know, the players and the fans of focusing on him rather than on, you know, making something happen. It makes... It's, it's a great point. But I feel like... Yes, I feel like to get goalkeepers to stop doing stuff like this they gotta call this if he gets called on this just once then he's gonna stop doing this it makes it in uh preparing for this episode i was thinking about at the next game i ref i was like okay it's a clear-cut rule just like at the beginning if they're at like the first instance that they say this i'm i've decided this first instance that a goalkeeper does this no matter the score, if they hold it for just a little bit too long, I'm giving an indirect free kick. They can argue all they want. They they can argue all they want. They can argue all they want. Do not do this in a youth game, please. Nobody I mean, knows how to do an like, indirect it'd kick. Probably, it'd probably be like a U16 game, but like like, okay. like, at, le- like at least warn them. Yeah, first. it has to be about the level. You it can, ha- it, right. you, yes, you've it got to, to warn the about- coaches first that you're going to do it because nobody knows. Nobody knows this stupid indirect free kick rule you don't want an indirect free kick from 10 feet outside the goal it's just a dumb play you can't say that people don't know the rule if people are always going to complain about them time wasting sure people know the rule well they, never gets no they know it's bad they don't you know they 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 don't really want a free kick in the in the box you know and uh nobody wants that they just want they want the keeper to get warned maybe they want a yellow yes, card and i guess i mean like as the referee you don't want it you do not want to be the deciding factors of a game so one thing, but one so thing like i hadn't that, heard about like, like this is a rule i i'm sorry it should he should call this so Acho, of course did yeah. not actually get a, a yellow card for time wasting he got a yellow card for running way out of his goal area to at, complain about something entirely should. different now what i was wondering i didn't know if you'd read anything about it after the game you know did Achoa do that on purpose you know sort of figuring that he would put the referee into a position where he sort of couldn't give him that yellow for time wasting. Yeah. While like that seems like that seems like the smart move. Um, I don't think so. I mean, I feel like in the heat of the moment, he, he's just running out to argue, which is just stupid. Cause it would have been quite something obviously if the next time, yeah. you know, after he went out and yelled at the ref, you know, 
which would have been the fourth or fifth time that he wasted time if the referee had just said, hey, by the way, I warned you, here's your yellow for time wasting. Okay. Oh, what do you know? That's two yellows. Imagine imagine if, like, in a, in post-game, in, in post-game, like, if Achoa said, like, yeah, I, I ran out to argue, so I gave you the yellow card, and then he would, and then he couldn't give me this, the time wasting. He would get, like, a really hefty fine. I mean, I, I mean that's what I have to believe. If he said, if you say anything like that, they're they're going to fine you. I'm not sure if they they're gonna suspend you for stuff like that. But I said immediately while we were at this game, I turned to you when he got that yellow card. I was like, he's he's gonna be on the field for the entire game. And I mean, like, the only way it wouldn't have been true is if he actually fouled someone. Then I think he could have been off. But once he got the yellow card. There was no way he was going to get a second yellow and a subsequent red for time wasting because that is just something that happens even um, that's even more rare than the six second being called. Anyway, in my opinion, it's a stu- it's a rule that like it should be called if it's in the game. We gotta call it more than it is. Maybe not every time. Because every situation of this is going to be different, but it has to be called more than it's getting called. Uh, what do you think of Jordan Morris in this game? Obviously, it's his first start. Um, more time. He, I mean, he had two games to get some fitness, but then a longer break, and he gets to start this game. What did you think about him in this game? Um, I think, you know, he did look more fit. Uh, it didn't seem like the rest of the Sounders were finding him as well as you'd like them to see them. And I sort of attribute that to, you know, only having two weeks of practicing together. Yeah, I you know, I, I, I think they would look very different if this was, you know, the end of a season where all those guys had been on the field together the whole time. Yeah, if we just look at like 2019 and 2020 and in comparison, I mean, just him being there the entire year, like everyone knows what his speed and his ethic looks like and well like we still have so much carryover from last year I mean um, we complete I mean Morris hasn't played with a back five at all this year so that's new so it's like a new formation and he has to figure out what his new position is going to be moving forward um, for next year um will be interesting to see like what formation the Sounders look to use. Uh, I, I will say in this game, I did think he looked more like himself. I think in the Vancouver game, he looked kind of slow. I feel like he's, uh, in years past, and in the RSL game, he was taking people on. But in that Vancouver game, he was stopping and then serving a ball in, which I don't think of as normal. Well, like, I mean, like sometimes he put like he puts in good balls. Right. Some does, of it is he, some of it is maturity that he isn't just only running right by them. He's also making those passes. But I mean, like, I love when he takes people on because sometimes I feel like we don't have enough players who do that, and that and they don't do that because they don't have the speed like Jordan Morris. And just seeing Jordan Morris at this game just was just so fun. He's just he just seems like such a nice guy. Um such a nice guy and he's just so fun to watch um with his speed and um obviously great to see him back with the national team um over the next couple of days hopefully he gets to go to that world cup but glad to have him back hopefully knock on wood he doesn't get injured again for um 
for uh, for a while. Please just be careful, Morris. Be careful. Um, we also got to see Ladero come back. What did you think of Ladero for the couple minutes that we saw um, from him in this game? Um. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I think you know his. He's not. He's not really a. You know. Jordan Morris, Will Bruin, you know, come in for five minutes and make some amazing play in front of the goal guy. He's a run the defense ragged for 120 minutes and pick them apart and get them tired of following him around. There was one sequence in this game where right in front of us, he took like four corners in a way. It might have only been three. He took four, but yeah, he took a bunch of corners just in quick succession. And every time it got... um headed away by the person at the front post. Um, yeah, that just seemed like rust by by Ladero. Like, that was that was very shocking. And at that point, it's like, um, okay, maybe Gio Paolo. Maybe we want Gio Paolo taking this. Um, he's been taking most of them this year. Um, let's talk about the shootout. Um, it's tough, so... Yeah, I mean, obviously, one big moment. Uh, Fry called for... Being a little bit off his line, correct call in your mind? Yeah, that's the right call. It's so annoying. Um, it's very annoying that VAR caught this. Um, I mean, it's so small. Like, I mean, this isn't a jam. I mean, yes, they got it right. But, I mean, like, this. But, like, when the AR doesn't even say anything. Like, I feel like for this, the AR. I feel like they shouldn't use VAR for this. Like, unless it's, like, mistaken identity. Because, like, I feel like if it's so close that the AR can't see this, like, I feel like like it has to be just so obvious. I don't think it was obviously off the line. Like, like, I feel like the use of VAR is that the ref should have made the correct call in real time because it was that blatantly obvious. Like, you shouldn't, like... When you slow something down, stuff is going to look worse. So, and also, if you have to, like, zoom in and you have to, like, break out the ruler like they do for Premier League offside calls, like, that is not clear and obvious. Like, still, it has to be clearly um, distinguishable um, for the correct call, if you ask me. So, but I mean, I, mean like, I think it's like offsides, yeah. whereas you know the 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 definition of clear and obvious is a little different than if it's a. I mean, like it's yes and no, but then also like you look at those calls that are made, being made in the Premier League, where like it's like just like the the tip of someone's elbow is causing someone to be offsides or onsides, and it's like, oh my goodness, really? Like it's just, oh my god. Um, other so also in the so in the shootout, um, first we saw where Diaz goes. He converts. Paolo converts. Sizoko, um, Sizoko steps up. Um, just apparently, um, which which is funny thing. What do you think about him taking a penalty? I mean, it was a great penalty. He he shot third, um, put it away nicely. Any thoughts on Sizoko? Um, yeah, he you know looked comfortable being there. You know, really smashed the penalty. Um, glad that we didn't lose him in the expansion draft and we'll see what he does. You know, he's a really big guy, you know, when you see him in person down there. Yeah. And I would say, um, do do you, I mean, like he, he was on the bench for this game. He looked great. He looked great when he did start. Do you think he should have started this game? 
I mean, we look at Sound as if Heart. Sound as if Heart ranked Shane O'Neill as man of the match. Yeah. Shane O'Neill did play very well in this game. I yeah, don't think the, he can the, blame the defense he can did blame fine. anything for this. You know, you 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 know, maybe you could say we needed some more of an aerial threat. You know, we didn't all those crosses that went in, we didn't um I mean I mean just they didn't have any any of the they really didn't have any of a of an attack. So like it's it's hard hard to judge. I mean Fry touched the ball like three times before the shootout um happened. Kellen Rowe, he shot um he shot fourth and he got saved. Um, what did you think about about that penalty? Obviously, he does Seattle native, and it's unclear if he's going to be returning. I think, I think, I mean, his his depth, um, his his depth, and he played in every game. Um, I would be shocked if if that's how he ends his time with the team. I think he would like. like yeah, that I mean, was obviously, heartbreaking. I love Kellen Rowe. He right, just seems he like, he overperformed you know, expectations. Uh, this year, heartbreaking. You know, miss. you can't heartbreaking miss. Right. I mean, just you know, the Sounders didn't quite get the bounces they needed from the placement of Fry's heel to, you know, the ball coming off the post on a partial save by Fry to, you know, similar, to similar to, similar to the shootout, um, in 2018 when we lost to Portland in a shootout. Fry gets a huge touch, and then unfortunately, it still goes in. Um, this one I thought was um, almost more annoying because, um, well, it's Justin Glad who is very annoying, um, who's their longtime center back, um, but it hits both posts. Fry pushes onto one post and hits the other post and just barely sneaks in, and I feel like it hurts so much. Because of the double post that saved Portland in 2015. It's like, come on! Why do the posts... And also, we'd hit the post like four times in the game. It's like, why do the posts... The post gods only like Portland? I mean, that's clearly not true. And we'll get to that in a second. Um, but but that, that was heartbreaking. And Daphne did not liking seeing them celebrate... On the home turf, they went through. RSL goes through. Pablo Masteroni, um, former U.S. national team, who is now their coach, their their full time coach of RSL. Um, let's talk about RSL a little a little bit more. I mean, they they make it all the way to the Western Conference final. Bobby Wood scores a big game, uh, a big goal against SKC. I mean, SKC looked terrible in the semifinal. Um, but if we had gone through, we would have hosted KC. I mean, we can only say what if, what if this year. But, I mean, RSL going as far as they did, do you have any final thoughts about them? I mean, they, their game plan was exactly the same going into both of the games. Well, no. I mean, they – well, okay, maybe their game plan was the same, but they did they, a lot more attacking in that other game, in that in their second game. I mean, they – I mean, in the game against the Sounders – they they turned on the attack late in the game just as they did in SKC. We just stopped them. They just didn't have a real good chance. Chances they created against SKC were both really good goals. I mean Bobby Bobby Wood, um, who just who of course a while ago seemed like just an amazing striker, 
Sims. Like he, he seemed like the future of the U.S. Men's National Team. Um, scores a great goal, and I mean, I think he makes it look just a little touch, but still uh, something that has to go in. Um, but they turned it on late, just as they did in the Sounders, and and then obviously when they when the um, when they went to Portland for the final, they f- uh, found themselves behind early. So then their their game plan had to change, um, and then but yeah, their their game plan, as annoying as it was, it did work, um, and in the end. Um, I was rooting for them to make it to MLS Cup because I didn't want Portland to get there. But now that Portland, but the fact that Portland got to MLS Cup and then lost in front of their home fans, oh my God, that was very satisfying. So let's move on to MLS Cup 2021. It was NYCFC versus Portland. NYCFC eliminating Philadelphia and the New England Revolution on the way. Do you have any thoughts about their? about NYFC getting getting to the final. I mean I mean I get you could say that they were helped by a bunch of players being out for COVID for Philadelphia and then also New England um having a twenty one game break. I mean this is when twenty one day break, yeah. You know, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> day, not game. Right. I mean obviously not a good not a good year for, for high seated teams. I think it will be better next year when the playoffs are when we go right into the playoffs, uh, the MLS Cup next year will be like a second week of November, like it was in 2019. Um, to and then there will be like two weeks before, or maybe even just one week before the World Cup starts in Qatar. Uh, but a- any other thoughts on NYFC, like bef- on their journey to get to the final? Nope. I mean, obviously, they were excited to be there for the first time. Um, As a team, they joined the league in 2015, and 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 before this year, they had only won one playoff game. Um, they're the only team that plays on a baseball field, and it seems like this year, this and the past two years, are the only time um, I guess, uh, that they've really sort of made their field. Uh, a home field advantage, um, since it is so much smaller. And now, did they, um, in the playoffs, they were they were a low seed, right? So they didn't have any any home games. Their first game, their first game was at was at home. They were it was a four seed versus a four seed in the in the MLS Cup. They played their first they played their first game um, against Atlanta. Um, Atlanta was number five, and then they went to and then they went to New England. Um, to play the one because the other one was two versus three, which was Nashville, Philadelphia, and then uh, Philadelphia um, after Nashville completely um, three just terrible misses by the Nashville by Nashville in a shootout. Since I mean Walker Zimmerman just blasting it way over the bar, and uh, Nashville exited, and NYC FC made it to the. Uh, made it to the cup in Portland. Portland making it to the end after falling behind against Minnesota in the first round. Then um, they went to Colorado, got a late winner, uh, but also uh, had 
um, uh, Aspria sent off. So they didn't have him for the game against RSL, but then they know they knew that they would host MLS Cup if they beat RSL, and they did. And then they went home, and they did not play very well in the MLS Cup final. So just some facts about this MLS Cup final. This was the highest watched MLS Cup final that ESPN has broadcast since 2009. Um, the uh, the the most watched look it was most watched in the Portland area, but the second most watched area was can you guess? You know, I mean what? I mean, like it's it's a pretty easy guess when you think about it. The the second most watched location that was watching the game wasn't it was Seattle. Okay. Um, and and it was and like, I mean, I was watching it, um, to see their fans be sad. I feel like a lot of the most Sounders fans weren't. Um, but it wasn't actually, it's not actually the most watched MLS Cup final. That will still be the Sounders 2016 um, win in Toronto. Um, and I think a lot of that is, uh, I, I felt like the, the timing of this one was better than some MLS Cups. Um, we look at the 2019, the 2019 MLS final happened at the exact same time as, like, all of the M- NFL. It happened at 3 o'clock on a Sunday. Uh, this one was 3 o'clock Eastern on a Saturday. And the 2016 MLS Cup, which still holds the record, I believe, was at 5, was at um, 8 p.m. Eastern on a Saturday and around this time, so no college football and I believe there wasn't a football game at that time. But I think, um, yeah, so it worked in MLS's favor at this time. Any any thoughts on, what did, what were your thoughts about Portland, the atmosphere? Um, it looked packed. It looked it looked like a, right, and the it new, was a good atmosphere. The new stadium looks, looks like, looks good. Um, you know, again, hard to get a sense of it on TV. We'll have to get there in person someday. Um, what do you mean? We've been to Portland. No, but not since the new re- renovation opened with the new upper right. deck. Okay, but that's this one side. I mean, right. So the yeah. quest, but the question of you know how different does it make it feel? More like a you know, especially in the playoffs, um, does it give it more of a of an overwhelming atmosphere? It's true. I mean, it does look like it goes up very. It's it's very steep, um, definitely. Um, I, I was getting like Chicago Cubs Wrigley Field vibes. Um, with how much they showed, like, people looking into the stadium from, like, nearby places. Like, they got, like, that gym on one side of the stadium, um, and it has people, like, looking, and people, like, look in, um, through the window. They're, like, it shows people, like, um, running on the elliptical and, uh, treadmills. Um, it showed a lot of people there, and it showed people in a nearby apartment building, like, like, people were on the roof, um. Nice. It definitely seemed like a lot of people um, um, who were around the stadium, everyone was checking in, and it was like a typical December game in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, it was raining for most of the, for most of the game. Um, and uh, uh, let's talk about the actual, the, what actually happened in this game. So the game, first first goal of the game Happened right before halftime. Tati Castellanos, the Golden Boot uh, winner, and 
Um, I mean, controversially because of assist, but uh, still very good. Is completely unmarked on the back of the on on in, in right in the middle of the box. Thoughts on this goal and the defending by Portland? Yeah, um, you know, similar to some of the the struggles maybe that the Sounders have had with zonal marking in. Uh, How do you leave him in so set wide plays? open? Right, and I, you know, I, I, I heard the commentators talking about a pick. I never actually quite saw a good replay of the pick. I don't think there's any foul there. I'm not saying it should have I mean, been a foul, but I think that's that may be the answer that there was somebody assigned to doing him, and they did a good job like of that, blocking him that off. That is something that makes me feel like the commentators are pro Portland. Like I feel like immediately after this goal was scored, um, when this goal was scored, they did not say that. Tati Castellanos was wide open. I don't think they even say, they say immediately, like it was his header before it. The first thing they say was, they say like, header, and then they say, error Steve Clark. And yes, Steve Clark he does get a could have held it, it, but it's so wet, it, it, but I yeah. don't think this is, but like, but they say it like, another error. And this is nowhere compared to the, to the play from the Portland's from Portland's MOS Cup that he made like 30 seconds. Like, that is a clear error. Error. This is like, you cannot blame the keeper for that. Well, I mean, again, the keeper gets blamed for it. If the keeper touches the ball and it goes in. This is not the keeper's fault, it's though. It's not the keeper's this fault. It's not the keeper's He's, fault, though. Right. I mean, like, then he, you know, like but again, Tante, Tante ask Stefan honest. Fry in any of these situations, would he feel like he should have done better? Would he feel like he should have saved it? The answer is yes. You know, Tati Castellanos, like in some ways, like he he gets lucky that that happens. But I, you sure. would expect and that Tati Castellanos right. puts the, this somewhere else. The forward will the forward scored. will feel bad that he gave the keeper a chance. He'll say he should have gotten it a foot further away from the keeper. The keeper will think he should have gotten his fingers extended a quarter inch more, which might have been enough to keep it out. Immediately, I would have said to give more respect to Tati Castellanos that. This is that it was a great play by him to get open because, I mean, we can talk about that. Why are they not covering him? But nonetheless, he got open and he scored a massive goal for NYCFC. Um, Unfortunately, right after that, some Portland idiot decides to throw and it hit Medina in the face. Um, Good to see that he was able to continue those two fans, the fans who did that have been banned um, since that game, have been banned from Providence Park, um, uh, which is just so stupid. Just, um, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't know. Right, the behavior is stupid. You yeah, mean not I, the banning. I, yeah, I, yeah, yes, the behavior is dumb. I wouldn't, I, I would be interested to know if like this, if it is just Providence Park or if this applies to like, the to every stadium because sometimes is when there we a talk, global no fly, fly list that applies to sometimes it? there are there are players who there are fans who can get banned from like every nfl game um i feel like that happens um, i'm not sure but but um good to see that uh that that ended up happening and they found who did that because that was just disgraceful we do not want to see that um that does not make american soccer look good that that's happening um we do not want to ever we do not want we do not want the 
the American soccer-specific stadiums to start requiring fences like they have in some um, stadiums around the world. That is just so... Uh, I find that so um, sad when they have to put fences around like around like one side of the goal like they have in Argentina, some, some other places in um, Central America. But Portland would find their way back into this game right at the death. Do you think this is a foul? Um, Felipe Mora scores. Uh, it seems like uh, people NYCFC was mad that and they and their their players kept um, arguing with the referee. Um, they kept arguing with him uh, after as the game went extra time and then midway through extra time. Do you think uh, Mabiala fouled their center back to uh, head the ball over to Mora? Do you think? I mean, like a lot of controversy on this play. Um, I don't think it was a foul. Um, you know. You have to allow some contact in the box. Yeah, I agree. I think this is too. This is way too. Um, this is way too minimal to call this. I feel like the ref calls it. It's like, um, yeah, and, and I and I'm glad VAR didn't say anything about this. I mean, like it's like if the ref doesn't want to be the person to change the game, so um, definitely heartbreaking for NYCFC. Um, but uh, goes to extra time with the score at 1-1. Then second, in the first part of extra time, NYCFC basically, like, failed to attack. I felt like, um, I felt like they, like, let Portland have momentum. I mean, uh, for most of the game, Portland just did not have momentum. They just did not look good. And NYFC, like, they got the, they go into the break, and it feels like, okay, it's good. It's going to kill some of the Portland, Portland's momentum. And then they just kept letting Portland have momentum. Portland didn't score. Um, but I definitely felt like they could have scored in that first extra time period. Um, uh, but in general, like, finished 1-1. It goes to penalties. The game in general, entertaining. How did you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's uh, I would have rather been watching the Sounders. But um, it did seem like... Uh, it didn't drag for the 120 minutes. Both teams were making interesting things happen. It was an entertaining game as a neutral. I agree. Uh, yeah, I think it was definitely uh, a fun game. I, it, it definitely helped, helped that uh, I didn't hate both teams. Um, if we say New England or Atlanta had been the other team, then I would have just been like so mad um, because I don't like either of those teams. And it was... Um, definitely great that uh, Portland didn't end up winning this. Let's talk about the shootout. Um, I definitely felt I didn't like that Portland was going to a shootout since I I feel like Portland is very good at shootouts. Um, but it's Steve Clark versus Sean Johnson, and Sean Johnson has played in over five hundred games, and he finally got to play in an MLS Cup, and he didn't have to do much in this game. But he came up massive and stole the the um, MVP award away from Tati Castellanos. I think, I think that if uh, this game ends in ninety minutes, then Tati Castellanos is he's definitely MVP uh, of of the cup. I mean, I think there's no argument there. Do you have anything to say about the MVP call? 
No, obviously a great performance in that shootout. Sean Johnson, two big saves. I mean, just his height um, really working to his advantage. I mean, um, Taylor Twelman talked about it on the first penalty save that he has one of his feet completely behind the line, like way before it started, so there's no chance that it gets called back. Two massive states, uh, saves. Bad penalties from Mora and Valeri. That was also satisfying. Valeri might have played his last game for Portland, and in it, his last kick was a missed penalty. Um, deja vu to his two misses earlier this year against the Sounders. That's what I was thinking about them. And then um, NYFC, fifth round, have a chance to win it because of those saves, just like against NYCFC. Uh, uh, no, just like against New England, their fifth shooter goes straight up the middle and just blasts it. Um, what do you what do you have any thoughts on like that on that penalty on that uh, technique, like like the high down the middle? Like I do not have the confidence to do that. Like I feel right. like I I'm mean, just going to put it over. It, and it does right. You you have multiple risks. One that the keeper you know stays straight and you look really stupid mm-hmm. if you just hit it off his forehead. Yeah. Another one that you hit it off the bar, hit it over. Um, it seems like it has it sort of has the disadvantages of the Panenka um, without the fun of the Panenka. And uh, I don't know. I think it's still very fun when it works. When it works, like this guy, he puts so much power on it. Right, like, but why not do that same thing and put it ten feet to one side or the true. other, and then you basically make it unstoppable. I agree. I mean, when when the players who take the best penalties, like, um, like you I'm know, thinking, if you can smash like, it into the top of the net, the keeper's not saving it if you can get it under the top it's corner. True. If you get, um, and then that's what's so fun about when, uh, like, we see Ladero do stuff like that. Um, but I will say, like, when you think of like the most consistent penalty takers, like when you look at Brad Evans, who's like, re- I'm trying to think of a, a time that he missed. Um, it just doesn't happen even though we think of him as not the best shooter, um, or at least you've you've uh, shared that belief for a long time, all his penalties go to the corner, um, go r- right to the corner, but they're hit with just so much power that there's no chance. So I think, I, do, I definitely think power um, in a lot of ways is more important, than, is more important than placement if you shoot with like the side of your foot and since all pros can can side foot a pass so much harder than like any like amateur like anyone like us then i feel like um because of that uh like the the power is more important because i mean if you hit it hard enough even uh, it's always going to be even if it's on the ground just straightforward, it's always going to be harder for the keeper to save. Well, I mean, except, I mean, unlike the keepers you and I play against, their, you know, their keepers can make a full, a full strength lunge to the, to that low corner. Uh, well, I mean, but I feel there. like, dude, but I mean, like, we've seen, you see penalties in, you see shootouts where people just hit it, like, just a little bit to the left or the right of the keeper, right. and the keeper, like, will touch it, but it just has way too much power, and I feel like those penalties are better than ones where they try and where they try and like fool the keeper, or they try and just do a little, um, 
I get judged. Anyway. Uh, any, anyway. Uh, but last, on my last episode, I talked to Ethan Cooney, the NYCFC supporter. I gotta admit, I didn't think that this was gonna be their year, but I ended up rooting for them. He, uh, was gracious to send us a recording, um, of his thoughts before, uh, the, uh, MLS Cup final and his reaction after they were crowned champions. Let's listen to that right now. Hey everyone, it's Ethan. It's the day before the MLS Cup Final, and I honestly still haven't processed the fact that NYCFC are in it. It is absolutely crazy. No matter what, this most likely goes down as the most successful season in NYCFC history, and I'm so incredibly proud of this team. I'm so happy to witness what they've done this season. I'm looking forward to tomorrow, obviously with some caution, but I really hope we can get the win. And I think we can. So, let's do it. Let's go! New York City FC MLS Cup champions, man. I can't believe it. This is amazing. Woo! Sean Johnson, MLS Cup MVP. Tati Castellanos should have been MLS MVP, but, you know, we're moving past that. MLS Cup champions, let's go! Great to hear from Ethan Cooney again. Do you have any thoughts on what uh, Ethan has to say? I mean, always excited to see a fan, you know, get to get to, you know, get to the MLS Cup for the first time and win it. You know, you could tell that he was a little surprised at the outcome. Yep. Uh, You know, happy for his keeper and uh, glad he got to saw it. So nice to see someone's excited. Yeah, I got to say, I love Sean Johnson. I mean, like he's he's waited so long. He's been in the league. For so long, he's always seemed like a really nice guy. I mean, he's always been like, he's he's always been like the third string for the national team. So we'll also see if he maybe he ends up being a uh, the third the third keeper for the World Cup um, uh, soon. Um, uh, uh, but well, uh, well, yeah, we'll see about him, but. Uh, Definitely for NYCFC, they six years in the league. They get their first. They get their first star. My message to uh, to Ethan and to uh, NYCFC is: um, uh, we'll talk when you get that second one. Because uh, at the moment, uh, this means squat. Uh, I think uh, two. Same thing to Portland. Uh, one doesn't mean anything. Uh, so let's move on from the MLS Cup final. Um, since then, there's been one U.S. Men's National Team friendly. Um, also, uh, since the last time uh, we had our the U.S. played Mexico and Jamaica. Um, in this last friendly, we got to see both Rodon and Morris play. Neither of them, even though Rodon was with the team, played in the last two qualifiers. Um, neither Morris or Rodon scored. Both started the game. Morris went off, and then his substitute scored the winner against Bosnia. But they did have some scoring chances. You know, he Morris. Looked good. Yeah, looked good. Almost, almost finished. Do you think both of them will be part of the twenty-three men roster that goes to Cutter? Do you think both of them, or do you think one? How are you um, right now? Also, we don't. I mean, we don't know that the U.S. is going to cut. He's going to go to Qatar. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. looking looking like they're going to qualify. Mm-hmm. Looking like Perhalter likes rolled on as a as a bench option. But also, he didn't play him in either of those last two games. Understood, you know. But but I mean, I was happy he didn't play him because I didn't want him to get injured. It's also it's also about like Morris. Like, if more, it is a shame that Morris didn't score in this game because if he had scored like one two goals, like I feel like the forward position is the the position that there's. The forward right. so, position and the goalkeeper position are the two positions so that I, think, I feel like the U.S. doesn't know who's their starter. I think Morris is is, is a genu- in the genu- genuinely in the conversation to be a starter at the World Cup. It'll depend if he stays healthy, who else stays healthy, and how he plays over the remaining qualifiers. Roldan is in the conversation to be the last man who gets added to the roster. I agree with that. And um, I feel like with for forwards, it's going to be between for forwards. It's going to be between Morris, Pepe, um, because it's Burhalter, then stupid Zardes is always going to be in the is always going to be in the mar, the um, is always going to be there, even though the crew are terrible and he's been he has not been good recently. Then there's Sergeant. I think those are the players um, that are like the forwards. Maybe you put Pulisic. Uh, I think Pulisic is probably more of a midfielder um, for this. But yes, uh, this next window in January, which I would expect Morris to be in there. These games do matter. It's more World Cup qualifying. Um, usually the window in January doesn't... Uh, it's just friendlies, but these games are actually real. Um, uh, yeah, they play... On the the games on the is on January twenty seventh against El Salvador, so probably Alex Rodon will be involved in that game. We'll see another Rodon versus re first Rodon. Then we play Canada on the thirtieth, um, and then on the second we play Honduras. Um, so three big games. If Morris can get involved in those games, I think that will be huge. Um, the other U.S. position I said was goalkeeper. Matt Turner set a record for the um, U.S. men's national team um, uh, in a single year. He had uh, he had nine career shutouts um, for the team. Who do you think deserves to start between Zach Steffen and Matt Turner? I mean, Matt Turner he played in most of the games. Though Zach Steffen and obviously Matt, Matt Turner, he's he's playing every week for the Revolution. Zach Steffen, he's backing up um, in a better league. He's backing up Ederson in the Premier League. I who think do you think starts? Yeah, don't know. Do, I mean, who do you start if you're if you're the coach? Who do you start? I mean, I'll give you the stupid answer, which is. I'll see who's paying more attention in training. No, 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 no. You can't. I no. know, but the but the reality is, no, who, you know, who are you picking? Who is better at this? Who do you say? You know, I'll I, I'll put in Fry with Chad Marshall at center back. You know, if we're gonna if you're gonna put me in charge here, but um, that would be that would be a direction we could go. Um. And yeah, so I don't know. You know, it's good that we have multiple good options. We'll see how it goes in the remaining games. Um. Usually the U.S. has had multiple good options for keeper. Uh, that hasn't been the reason we, we've not won a World Cup yet. So my, uh, so for my 
in my opinion, I would say a lot of it does come down to who is in the center back uh, positions. I feel like if it is, some ways, I feel like if it's MOS center backs, then you do play Matt Turner. And if it's not, then you play Zach Steffen. I feel like, but I feel, I, what I will say is that in January, we want to start playing a consistent lineup because if we're, because if we are still at a point in September where we have no idea who's going to start, because that's how I'm feeling every time the U.S. national team plays, is I have no idea who's going to start. And when and because of that, like, the, we're never going to be, like, there's just no consistency in how we're playing. And I feel like this is why Canada is in first in qualifying and we're in second, because they have a lineup that starts every game, no matter what. And, uh, and I feel like that's that shows with other teams around the world the most changes you want to make to a starting lineup is like one or maybe two players so hopefully we get a solid lineup for the national team and Morris is in that okay let's move on uh, I think that much that pretty much covers breaking news and everything that has happened uh in in Sounders news any anything else you want to add i mean the rain have announced that they're going to be playing at lumen field you had a couple of thoughts on the review of the season you know did you did you want to make an argument about uh you know best goal do you go for one of the volleys or or something else well obviously we i mean we're gonna get to that i was just we're just covering we just gotta cover all the breaking news um how many thoughts on Ballard FC? We got the new League Two. Uh, yeah, we'll see League how that two, works out. The uniforms look good. Interesting choice. I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, now we got uh, MOS Next Pro, um, which the Defiance will be participating in. We'll see how similar this is to the old Reserve League. MLS Reserve League, which wasn't really a league, but it seems like MLS Next Pro is going to still have, like, playoffs um, stuff. Sounders just got their schedule, um, and Sounders will open the season against Nashville in February. After first opening the... The, the CONCACAF Champions League, we will again... In front play. of an empty stadium in Honduras first. Uh, yeah, should be... <laughs> um, should be interesting. Hopefully it will be at... Uh, hopefully we'll get a better result. Than we do did against our last um, Honduras um, opponent. Um, it goes better than 2019. I'm definitely feeling feeling good. But we'll talk about we'll talk about the Sounders schedule um, for next year and those games um, in our preview show that should come out sometime um, in February. Um, we will cover all of that information. Um, the expansion draft just happened, as we said before. No one got picked. Um, any surprises on on players that are mo- most players are returning? I would say there aren't many surprises. Um, Alex Rodon doesn't really have like a a fine contract yet. Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, I say just pay him. He's clearly. He was an MLS All-Star. He's captaining the national team for El Salvador. 
who aren't out of World Cup qualifying yet. Um, how many thoughts for Smetzer on, on Rodon? Pay him. Then we also got uh, so other other players who are currently like on the bubble. So we got Shane O'Neill, um, Will Bruin, um, Brad Smith is is sort of iffy. He I I thought he could have got picked in the expansion draft. Players, those three players. Do you think those players will be back with the team? I, I'm at this point. I'm just going to assume that Kenan Rowe is he's with us. Like I I would be. Shocked I think all all of them would would rather be Sounders than somewhere else. I don't see them going to another MLS offer. The but. only player who I think has a chance to that might go somewhere else is Shane O'Neill. Because I feel like he could start. He like there are other teams that he could start for at center back, um, and he's getting paid like the league minimum. But players like Will Bruin, like I'd be shocked if he leaves. It seems like he's very happy um, in Seattle with, and he's got like a young kid. So I'd be sad if he lives. If he if he if he leaves, not if he lives. We want him to keep living. Um, uh, living so we'll get we'll keep up to date on those. Do you think there's any any chance the Sounders get another DP or or any player coming in? There's there's a, a rumor that uh, there's a player, former Tottenham player, who's currently on loan or he's playing in Mexico, um, a forward, um, is thought to be being looked at um, by the Sounders. Um, uh, because Raul Roy Diaz is, has his contract negotiations have hit Hit a little bit of a snag. I would say same thing to Alex Rodon about uh, about Roy Diaz. Pay him. We need him. Um, I would be shocked if he leaves since he said before that he loves being in Seattle. He loves his family being here. Do you have any thoughts on the Raul Roy Diaz rumors? Do you think he goes anywhere? Um, You know, I think he'd like to stay in Seattle, but he'll want to be paid based on the performance of being, you know, one of the top scorers in the league. Um, and get the respect that he's due. So uh, I imagine they're working hard to keep him, but may not be easy. I'd be shocked if I, it, if he forces his way off his way out in the same way that um, Ovemi Martins uh, did, because that's the only way he le- he's leaving. He's under contract. He just wants a new like he'd have to like right. But I mean, obviously, the Sounders to, like, really would like to have to him go. for more than one more year. Yeah, so and we'd also to want him to be. Deal. We want him to be happy. We don't want to like really keep like if he wants to leave, then he'll go. But like, it's not like another team is act can actually come in and take him because he does have one more year. So at the moment, he is locked in. Um, it's interesting. To think about like forwards too. It's also like um, uh, Montero's another one. Do you think Montero comes back? He's getting paid league minimum. I think I think you could say he deserves to get paid a little bit more. Yeah, but I mean, again, I think he wants to be part of a winning team. He likes being in Seattle. Yeah, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think if he feels he can be there and contribute in the same ways he did this year, then he'll stay. We also got a couple. There's a there's a bunch of former Sounders who are now free agents on other teams. for instance, I mean, when and Francis was only gone with was only with us for like a year. Um, Abdul Salam also plays for the Columbus crew. He's a free agent now. I could see him coming back. Um, I think there are definitely some other players 
um, through free agency who could become Sounders. I think if we're going to pick up anyone, if anyone's going to show up, um, uh, it's going to be like someone who has MLS experience. He's like a free agent. Um, that's a that's another thing. We could see Benazay go away. Um, I could see him getting him him getting traded, even though he he definitely liked being here. Um, and he made himself known. He's definitely someone who was fun to watch. Um, uh, another player. Uh, there was there was someone. Uh, I was the other player I was looking, I was going to bring up is uh, Leo Chu. Um, obviously this year. He did not start a game ever. Um, we'll talk more about the lineup going into next year more. But do you think next year he becomes a starter? Or what? What do you think about Leo Chu? I mean, we're also. I mean, if Will Bruin comes back, we're still gonna have Leo Chu. He's like locked in. Yeah, I mean, I guess you know. Again, you won't let me get away with saying it depends what happens in the preseason and yeah. who's healthy. Um, you know, I guess right. Who's ahead of him on the depth chart? Where do you see him relative to Benize? You know, if I think he's. I mean, like, I I, I feel like this this year he was behind Benize, but I mean, like, since he's still so young and he has so much promise, I think it could be soon where he could pass Benize. Especially if we end up going back, if we change our formation a little bit, so it's like more that we play with like three forwards instead, like. What if next year we play five at the back, since that clear was working, but instead of, like, one up top, we play with three up top. So, so you want a like, five, two, three? Yeah. I think that actually works. Like, that works. Well, except us. the problem is, you know, we've got, you know, Ladero and, and JP and Roldan. But you have to remember that the five, that the five in the back, it would, it would sort of sometimes be a three, four, three. I, I understand that they attack, but what I'm saying is just you've got three three good central midfield players, and where you know none of Ladero or or Jao Paulo or Christian Roldan, you know, make sense either in the back five or the front three. So if you're saying that's your yeah, ideal lineup, it's, they don't fit on the. It's on the true. Field. I think then it it like because obviously Roldan is someone who has to start. He's someone who definitely should be starting. Right, and us. so if, if you look so at us as having as having our ideal. You know our deal, our ideal lineup. You know three center backs, and then so it's sort of like a false three. Like I just want, I just yeah. sort of in that in in this sense, I want, um, I would want Morris. So I think what to you're saying up. is, I just want Morris to play higher. Right. You can you you want to see Rui Diaz and Morris attacking, and you can imagine seeing Chu as our third best attacking option. Now the question is, this is another thing. Obviously, we just signed. Um, Obed Vargas and Sam Adidaron. Sam Adidaron is a clear forward. So that's right. just but another... again, they're they're farther in the future. Yeah. But you know, in terms of next year, it's hard for me to see Leo Chu being in our ideal top eleven. Now, maybe he'll show us that. Obviously, you know, this year has shown that you need an ideal top twenty, not just an ideal top eleven. You know, and maybe top twenty-eight. I don't know how many players the Sounders use total in terms of different starting lineups. Um, you know, you would never have. Have looked at Reed Baker Whiting at Reed Baker Whiting at the beginning of the year and said, "Oh, he's going to start." Um, so you know, choose way ahead of, of that level of depth that we had to have this year. Um, so again, I mean, I I see him as you know likely a member of our best eighteen, 
Uh, but we'll have to see, you know, how often he makes it into the starting lineup. I also think that we will be getting probably more homegrown signings. I mean, like, uh, um, I don't know how many because we're starting to get to the point where our roster is getting so big already, um, and maybe some of those players will just um, some right, of the some of know, the homegrown players will be like MLS as, next as pro. You, as you were saying, you know, we have a lot of good players. So the question of, you know, what role on the team do um, Montero and Bruin and Kellen Rowe have, you know, players who are who are good, but getting towards the end of their careers, and there's a lot of, you know, under twenty two players going to come up and and compete for those roles. So yeah, we're definitely set up good in the future, and I mean, like, we're starting to get to the point where Ladero probably is only going to be playing for like two or three more years. I don't know. We'll see what happens next year. Um, I I will say. Um, yeah, the homegrown talent um, is is definitely ecstatic. Was, the, the Washington Huskies um, uh, made it to the college uh, cup final this year. They lost, but uh, a bunch of those players are sounders are connected to the Sounders Academy in some um, some way. So I think uh, that them making it that far like shows um, that our academy is is uh, performing at a high level. Um, I think so. Yeah, I think um, it, um, I'm excited to see see what happens and what happens in the rest of the off season. But to finally wrap up this year, we gotta do as always. We gotta go over who our MVPs were for the Sounders, um, and then also uh, our goals of the year. Um, so two Sounders were nominated for MVP. Either them won. I kind of feel like MOS decided who was going to win the MVP award in April. Um, who do you give the Sounders MVP award to this season? I think I have to go with Zhao Paulo. You know, again, it's hard to know what the season would have been like, you know, if he's still number one, if everyone else is healthy. I would have loved to see more of Ladero and Morris and, and even more time on the field for Rui Diaz. Um, but I think realistically, the two choices are João Paulo and uh, Roldan. Though you know the Sounders' defense also making a making a choice for itself. You know, um, I guess Nuhu's season was was cut short, and uh, you know Shane O'Neill made a run for it at the end there. But uh, you know, probably you can't give him the full season crown. So anyway, I mean, I think you know, obviously Roldan, an incredible amount of energy, incredibly consistent. But I think uh, João Paulo, um, you know, and maybe again it was that he was injured just enough that we saw what happened when he wasn't there, you know, but he also played so much of the season, so it was clear how important he was for the games that we did win. So I think that's where I would go. Yeah, so uh, that that's your thinking is pretty much exactly the same with what I was seeing. Obviously, it was Paulo and Roy Diaz who were nominated for MVP this year. Um Roy Diaz was injured, um, and he was also away from the team for a while. Um, so, in that sense, I give it to Paolo um, as well. Um, again, just like you were saying, when he's not in the field, um, the team is just plays so different. He just does so many small things, and then also him just being on the field allows it means teams have to focus on him, and then uh, another player can go score a goal um 
for me, um, even though Raul Diaz was nominated by the league, um, I think it's between Paolo and Yamar. Yamar had an amazing season. I thought he should have won MOS Defender of the Year. Um, obviously, was an all-star this year, and he received his first call-up for the Colombian national team. Um, I think he's just such a strong player, such a strong rock, and there are so many games where just other teams could do absolutely nothing because he is just such a beast. Um, every every time he tackles, um, I'm just so happy. Um, didn't score. Um, didn't score... Uh, as many goals as as he did last year. I think he scored two. I don't think he had a goal this year. Um, so a uh, little sad about that. Um, and I think that's why I give it to Jao Paulo. Um, but and, uh, then take nothing away from Jao Paulo there. Jao Paulo was incredible this year, and uh, uh, and and fortunately um, he couldn't. He can't. He can't do it. He we can't play with eleven Jao Paulos. Um, I'm excited to see. Um, the future where the the future of the team with with both Jao Paulo and Yamar since I think both of them should be around with the team for uh, uh, for a while at least the next like two three years. Uh, so now let's move into goal of the year. Lots to choose from. First, I just gotta say the MLS goal of the year is definitely not the best one. There were definitely better goals scored. But who is your goal of the year uh, for the Sounders? So I think to me that the 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 two I didn't pick mm-hmm. were the two amazing volleys, one by uh, Madranda, the sort of first time strike off the corner kick, mm-hmm. and the the Jao Paulo volley. Um, I think I'm gonna That's go great. with. Jao Paulo's uh, individual run, you know, the length of the field, mm-hmm. more or less, just yep. because it symbolized to me his sort of determination, his skill, um, maybe the occasional lucky bounce in there, and also his, um, yeah, his just ability to see what play was out there and try to make it happen, you know. And usually it was finding somebody else, but in this case it was finding himself. Yeah, that was a great goal. Um, I remember that um, vividly. I will always remember that vividly. Um, there were a lot of big goals for the Sounders this year. I mean, like, um, just so many fun ones to watch. Um, I'm thinking about that game in Columbus um, that I was at. I was very happy that the Sounders uh, found a way to win at Lower.com Field. Oh, my God, that's so stupid. Um, such a stupid name. Um, but both of those games were those those goals were nice. Um, in the in in um, the the Joe Paolo one, obviously that was nice. Madronda um, scored every goal Madronda scored this year was just so fun. He had one that was on the ground, and he had two that were just absolute amazing hits. Um, that were so good. Um, that, uh, that, that one of them was in the Houston game and then he scored against Portland and he scored against someone else too um, but uh, and um, in the in the Portland and just also this as a season recap like 
some other fun games that I like seeing, like that that six two game in Portland is a game that I'm always going to remember, and like every Sounders goal that was scored in that game um, was memorable. We had um, Montero scoring from very far out, and we had Madronda's um, absolute rocket. But I give my go of the year to Raul Roy Diaz's free kick in the six two. Uh, game in Portland because um, we got we had Paulo and Ladero and Roy Diaz all three of them it might have just been Paulo and Roy Diaz but but they're standing all three of them three of them standing around the ball um, and I did not expect Roy Diaz to shoot to to be the one to take it um, he runs like parallel to the edge of the box and just hits an amazing ball just so much pace there's no chance that steve clark is saving it and what a goal it is um it made it i think it made it 3-1 or 3-2 or something i mean it was a big good uh goal in the game that is my goal of the year because it just there is so much skill um showing off Showing off there. I think I picked a free kick goal last year too. Um, I picked Ladero's uh, free kick against LAFC. But wow, those those goals. That goal that wasn't amazing. Any other thoughts about this season? Final final thoughts about this season. I mean, the Sounders were in first place for pretty much the entire season until right at the end when Colorado stole it from us. I mean, it would have been so heartbreaking if we didn't get into CSL. Because we were so close. I mean, in a season where, like, I mean, like, also, it's annoying. Like, we couldn't get Supporter Shield with how good we played at the beginning. Like, like, what are your other takeaways? Final thoughts on this season. Right. I mean, obviously, um, you know, this year and last year both, you know, just, you know, crazy seasons, unbalanced schedules. Um, you know, obviously, New England took advantage of that in in playing a lot of games against a weak Eastern Conference. And hopefully, this will be better next year. Right, maybe. next year's schedule seems a lot more reasonable. We're you know hard Two to games. say, but we're hoping next year will feel more like back to normal than this year was. Um, yeah, you know, you it's a, a tough long season. The Sounders. You know, thinking back to that to that game where we started the five teenagers, you know, played through some Im- incredible adversity. Um, How do we not bring up that goal? That's another amazing goal that that we had this year with Roy Diaz. I mean, yeah, next man up. We talked about it. Smetzer talked about it the entire year. Um, it was an incredible. Just everyone, just. Everyone stepping up. I mean, right at the beginning of the year, we were just thrashing teams. Um, we we just disregarded the the uh, Chicharito talk. And remember, at the beginning of the year, they were like Chicharito is going to be the best player in the league, and then we went ahead and and beat them like three zero, shut them up. Um, that was great. And then also, I feel like. The playoffs this year, they felt pretty normal. Well, I, I mean, I recently I was watching their highlights from the playoffs of last year, uh, from the 2020 playoffs, and it did feel sad. I mean, I was like, man, watching these games without fans, 
just seemed like it felt normal then, but like it feels so sad now. Uh, I feel like we did, and like obviously, COVID is nowhere near from being over. Um, but I feel like we did for a part. We got, we had the soccer, we had stadiums and atmospheres that we had been missing for a while, and that was great to see. Um, and uh, I and and I mean, it's interesting to. I don't know what's what's gonna happen next with the Sounders, but uh, whatever happens, we will keep our scarves up. <laughs>